Welcome back, everybody, to Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. And today's episode is titled Special Teams Excellence and Cocktails at Kenneth. We've been hitting on position groups. We've talked about the offense, defense. Now we're going to hit special teams, a really special group, pardon the pun, uh, led by LeVar Woods, great coach for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And then we're going to talk about the announcement from a few weeks ago that beer and wine will be sold at sporting events. So not just Kinnick Stadium, but it's also basketball, Carver Hawkeye, baseball, softball, volleyball, wrestling. So a lot of different events where we're going to have beer and wine served. And what does that mean for fans of the Iowa Hawkeyes? All right, so let's kick off some special teams talk. And this is episode four of season two, Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. And... We've talked about offensive position groups already. We've talked about defense. All that was left was special teams. And I want to focus first on the current special teams coach, LeVar Wood from West Lyon High School in Inwood, Iowa. Um, that's where he, he played his high school ball. And he is an experienced guy with Hawkeye ties. Obviously, he's an experienced, well-rounded football coach with experience on both sides of the ball and a wealth of experience with special teams. Coach Woods played for the Hawkeyes as a linebacker, started under Hayden Fry, and then played for a couple of years under Kirk Ferentz, and was a two-year starter at linebacker with 97 tackles as a senior. And if you remember, he scored a touchdown on a blocked field goal his junior year, and that was Iowa's only win that whole season in Kirk Ferentz's first year over Northern Illinois. Well, LeVar Woods signed with the Cardinals as an undrafted free agent in 2001, and he made the best of that opportunity. He made the team. He was a really good special teams player, played some linebacker, also played for the Detroit Lions and Tennessee Titans before hanging up his cleats in the NFL for good in 2007. Well, Coach Wood started his coaching career at Iowa in 2008, where he first held the role of administrative assistant through 2012, or until 2012 when he became the linebackers coach and shared some special team responsibilities as well. Four years later, he became the tight ends coach, still had a role in, in coaching special teams. And then from 2018 through today, he's had full responsibility for special teams. And he's done such a great job uh, with special teams over the past few years, uh, punting excellence, kickoff and field goal excellence, kickoff return and punt return excellence. And I'm, I'm not kidding there. You know, these teams have been truly special. And even some trick plays mixed in there. The trick plays in 2017 were just just amazing. You know, everything from the, the pole cat against Ohio State that got a big first down and then a touchdown on the next play. Um, TJ Hawkinson getting an end around to score a touchdown. So let's talk about special teams performance, uh, what Iowa has coming back in 2021, and what to expect from this group. Well, last year, 2020, Iowa was fifth in the NCAA in kickoff return defense. Uh, only one team ahead of Iowa played in as many games as Iowa in the COVID-shortened year. The Hawkeyes weren't really highly ranked on kickoff returns, but we all know that Mir Smith-Marset was a dynamic uh, kickoff returner. Um, he didn't have quite as much success, fewer chances, opportunities were just lower in 2020, or the playmaker and ISM would have come out eventually. But Iowa was fourth in net punting and 32nd in the country in punt returns. So just really solid uh, special teams play. 
Well, who did it for Iowa in 2020? It was Caleb Shudek on kickoffs, and he's returning to the Hawkeyes to be the featured kicker in 2021, replacing the great Keith Duncan, who graduated. Uh, Keith was first team All Big Ten in 2019, third team in 2020. He was a finalist for the Lou Groza Award his junior year, and he should have won it. If you ask me, you know, in a season where he made 29 of 34 field goals, had a game winner over Nebraska, set the Big Ten record for the most field goals in the season. Um, he's just a really accurate kicker. And even as a senior, you know, Duncan only missed four field goals during the shortened eight-game season, but uh, three of those were from 50-plus yards. So he really had an outstanding 2020 season as well. And then Caleb Shudek, he has a little bit stronger leg, but only one field goal attempt, and he's 0-1 in his career. I believe that was against Northwestern last year, and it, it hit the crossbar or the upright. Um, but he's got a really strong leg from what they say. Uh, and they say that the competition has been tight. You know, that Shudak on most teams would be the starting kicker, uh, but Keith Duncan was just so consistent and so accurate that, that Duncan, you know, was out there kicking instead of Shudak. So it's great to have him back. You know, expect him to have a good 2021 season, finally getting his chance to kick field goals at Iowa, and it's not like he hasn't been out there. He's been out there. Uh, doing kickoffs, so he knows what it's like to kick in front of a big crowd. Tory Taylor is the punter, and he's back for his sophomore year from Melbourne, Australia. He is a load at 6'4", 230 pounds. He had 18 punts inside the 20 last year, nine inside the 10-yard line, and only one touchback. He had such a great season, and he didn't know much about football. I mean, he admitted that the first time he had been to a football game, he was out there punting his first game as an Iowa Hawkeye. So it's, it's exciting to think about him understanding the game better, learning more, improving, you know, what's he going to be able to do on the field with improvement. He also had that penalty against Wisconsin where he had a heck of a punt from a ball that was on the ground, but you can't do that in college football. It's probably okay in Australian rules football. And, you know, the ball was spotted, you know, at the spot of the foul in that case, but the Hawkeyes held on, to crush Wisconsin by three touchdowns. So all was forgiven there. But man, Tory Taylor, it's going to be so much fun to see what he can do in his second year as a punter for the Hawkeyes. And in the return game, Mir Smith-Marset is gone. Those are big shoes to fill. He had some really fun returns in his career and a couple of touchdowns. I recall one in the Holiday Bowl, as well as one against Nebraska and Lincoln. And it's going to be interesting to see who will take over his role. It will be Tyrone Tracy, Charlie Jones, maybe one of the, the young guys, Keegan Johnson or Arlen Bruce, maybe even Tyler Goodson, T. Good, or one of the other running backs. I can see T. Good back there. Um, you have to be cautious. You don't want to get anybody injured, but uh, you know how many touches he's going to get in the game. But whew, that would be dynamic. It would be electric at Kinnick Stadium if T. Good was back there returning kicks. For punt returns, it will be Charlie Jones. He did such a great job last year. He was special teams player of the week in the Big Ten after his performance against Michigan State. He scored a touchdown in that game on a punt return. He's fearless out there on an island fielding punts, and he's another one that I really look forward to seeing with some improvement in 2021, really getting his, his first minutes last year. So, uh, like I said, he's, he is fearless. He can cut. He can make guys miss. He can turn on the Jets when he gets some space. Bottom line, 
When it comes to special teams, the Hawkeyes are set in 2021. They do need to replace Keith Duncan, but they have a six-year guy to do it who's taken advantage of that extra COVID uh, eligibility year. And Shudak, as I said, he's handled kickoff duties for some time now. And let's not forget also Austin Spiewak. Uh, he handled deep snaps in 2020 after the graduation of Jackson Subert, who was long snapper the prior two years. And Austin is back taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility to handle those duties again in 2021. This will be year 10 of LeVar Woods having some sort of a role in special teams coaching at the University of Iowa. Fourth year of having full responsibility for this unit. And the Hawkeyes are in a great place with Torrey Taylor uh, as a punter, uh, only a sophomore this season. They also have a commitment from a five-star kicker for the class of 2022, and he's a the South Carolina kid. Now, the continuity that Navarro Woods has brought to special teams has really made this a special group to watch over the last few years. And special teams were a big reason the Hawkeyes were so good from 2001 to 2004 when Kirk's team was rising from the ashes and becoming one of the top teams in the Big Ten uh, and in the country. So Navarro Woods, great job he's done putting together these special teams units. And that's it for position groups for 2021. Uh, we talked about the defense in earlier episodes this season. We talked about the offense and just finished it up with special teams. And, and I think this could be a really special football team in 2021. There's lots of guys that need to develop and improve. Spencer Petrus, we need to see him take a big step forward this year. That quarterback position is so important to this team. Um, seems like a great leader and a great kid. So really rooting for him. But, man, this, this season kicks off with Indiana in Kinnick Stadium, a top-20 matchup. And, I mean, fans haven't been in Kinnick for a while, and it is going to be sold out. It's going to be electric. The place is going to be going bonkers, and I can't wait to be in there for that first game of the season. And I really think this could be a special season for the Hawkeyes, so let's see how it all turns out. It's uh, a little over 60 days away. Well, now let's shift gears and talk about the big announcement from a few weeks ago that beer and wine sales will be allowed at sporting events starting with this fall football season. Gary Barta had said in the past that he wouldn't begin selling alcohol uh, just to increase revenue. That if Iowa did this, it would be for customer service. And that's an interesting discussion just with the timing here with the pandemic and how many millions were lost from TV revenue, fewer games, fans not being able to attend events, higher expenses, uh, testing, etc. But you know, Iowa is the eighth Big Ten school to serve beer and or wine in public areas at sporting events. So it's it's more common than not now in in college football. And I think the days arrived. So uh, let's not forget, you know, fans with seats in, in luxury boxes were able to purchase beer and wine, maybe even cocktails. I'm not sure. That's above my pay grade. But it's not like alcohol was strictly prohibited. It was allowed for fans in the luxury suites. And one interesting note is 30% of the revenue of alcohol sales uh, this coming year and in the future will go to a university alcohol harm reduction committee that was started in 2009 to decrease high-risk drinking on campus. One thing I'm not sure I'm on board about, you know, also was announced a few weeks ago was tailgating lots are opening just no earlier than six hours prior to game time and no earlier than 6 a.m., so just five hours before an 11 a.m. kickoff. I'm good with the rule. Personally, I rarely uh, would we arrive that early to tailgate. 
maybe to reserve a spot for a 7 p.m. game, getting there at 11 o'clock or, or noon. But to me, my biggest issue with this is traffic. I know people who arrive 5 a.m. to tailgate. They don't care what time the game is. If it's 11 a.m., 2.30, 5 p.m., they're there at 5 a.m. to tailgate. And I like the idea of traffic being more spread out, people arriving at different times. Don't want to see lines of vehicles waiting to get into the lots at 1 p.m. for a 7 p.m. game. And when it comes to tailgating, Gary Barta does not have a great track record. He, he really tried to curtail drinking at tailgates for several years. Um, had kind of a bad impact on some people or left a bad taste in, in some people's mouths. We were never impacted. I never saw people around us impacted by this, but some of the stories I heard were really kind of perplexing. So hopefully this doesn't turn into something like that where people are frustrated trying to get into lots. Um, but if so, hopefully the university will, will make whatever adjustments to, to make, make it easier for fans to get in there. Hopefully not an issue. So we'll see. Over half of Power 5 schools now serve beer or wine at sporting events. And I read some of the announcements. One that was really interesting to me was Mizzou stating that they were going to do this to reduce binge drinking during tailgates. And this was based on experiences from other SEC teams that had previously adopted this policy. So they talked to other athletic departments and other universities, and they said, do it. You'll see less binge drinking prior to games. West Virginia was another interesting story around tailgating and drinking at games. Um, alcohol began being served at the stadium when Oliver Luck came on as AD, and they've been doing so since 2011. And that really surprised me that for 10 years, West Virginia has been serving beer and wine at games. They say it's successful because they have fewer people binge drinking before games, thinking that they can't drink for the next three hours. And, and they were doing shots, chugging beers before going into the stadium, and they were having people getting sick in the stands, and they were looking for a way to curtail that. And since 2011, alcohol-related offenses declined 30% at West Virginia football games. And the current WVU AD said they never have issues at basketball or baseball games, but just people love to be able to have a cold beer just like they would at home. If they were staying home and watching on TV, they might have a cold beer. Um, he thinks it even helps increase attendance for those fans that you know, just want to sit out in the stands in the sun in a baseball game and have a cold beer. So... Ohio State, they started selling alcohol at games in 2016. Alcohol-related incidents declined by nearly two-thirds in that initial year. So there's something to this. The story just seems to be that alcohol-related incidents declined. Revenues increased when instituting this policy. And I tell you, if I was close enough to Iowa City to, to attend some baseball games, that would be my favorite thing about this, sitting at Dwayne Banks Field, watching a little baseball, having a cold one on a nice spring day. And I think that's going to bring people out there. Uh, you know, not a big deal, but just go have a beer or two and, and watch some baseball. So how is this going to all play out, you know, in Iowa? You know, less binge drinking would be a good thing. Um, people know that they can purchase beer at games. How will the restrooms and concessions handle the beer sales? And both are a little bit difficult to navigate already. And that's probably my biggest concern with this right now is, you know, I don't want to get into the stadium, drink a beer or two, and then, spend half the game waiting in lines at the restroom. It's, it is intriguing though, especially, you know, in a game where there hasn't been much tailgating, cold beer sounds good. You can buy a beer, head to your seat and enjoy the ball game. So I, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm excited about this new policy and you wonder what the sales will be from a dollar standpoint. I'm sure it will be substantial. We see people in our area, of the stadium drinking cans of beer and it, 
it just always shocks me. I don't know how they do it. Smuggling in a six pack of beer when there's security checking things. And they do it. They bring in a six pack of beer to pretty much every game. They're just, you see them pass them around. You can't believe it. But somehow people are pretty resourceful when it comes to getting alcohol into games is what I've, what I've noticed. And boy, you see those little airplane bottles of booze all over the stadium on the floor in the stands and the stalls. So people are throwing back fireball shooters, mixing Captain Morgan and Cokes purchased at the stadium. But now with alcohol for sale, if they make it easy enough, it doesn't break the bank, maybe there'll be a lot less alcohol smuggled into the game. And, you know, that'd be a win-win for the university. People are already bringing it in, so why not sell it to legal adults and make some money in the meantime? What does the state of Iowa like to drink when it comes to alcohol? So this, this is just a little research that I found. Uh, I didn't... This isn't going to be served at Kinnick Stadium or Carver Hawkeye Arena or any of the other venues. But you see some of this stuff out at tailgaters, people, you know, on, on their tailgates or or on the tables uh, at tailgating. And I wanted to look at the hard alcohol that is consumed in Iowa. $367 million worth of hard alcohol was consumed in 2020, an 8.2% increase. 2021 is taken up even higher. Many say due to the pandemic, people being at home so much during the past year and a half almost. But it just surprised me, the top three selling liquors in Iowa. Number one, Black Velvet Canadian Whiskey. Uh, I, I don't even know what that tastes like. I don't, I'm sure I've had it in the past. It's been 20, 30 years. Uh, I don't know how long it's been. It's been a long time if I've had Black Velvet Whiskey. I, I had no idea that was number one in, in Iowa. Number two, Tito's Vodka. Um, that's a, a newer vodka. I, I mean, it's really popular now, so you see it everywhere you go. So uh, that has overtaken Hawkeye Vodka, which is now number four. I think Hawkeye Vodka used to come in at number one or two on this list all the time. Number three, Captain Morgan Spiced Rum. As I said, four Hawkeye Vodka. Um, and number five is Fireball. Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey comes in at number five in, in the most consumed alcohol in Iowa. That just really surprised me that, that fans are are, are the Hawkeye. Iowa, uh, Iowans are drinking that much fireball whiskey. So very interesting. The first time I saw it was Iowa fans ordering a big tray of fireball shots uh, at a bar during an Iowa State football game. And I was, didn't even know what it was at the time. Um, so that's really interesting to me. And then rounding out the top 10 are a couple more vodkas, Crown Royal Canadian whiskey, Smirnoff vodka is number nine. And then old number seven, Jack Daniels rounding out the top 10. Well, like I said, you'll see some of that. You know, the tailgates outside of Kenneth. Um, but inside of the walls of Kinnick Stadium, the other arenas, what kind of beer are they going to sell? And for sure in Iowa City, in Iowa, you know, they need to serve Bush Light. It's really considered the beer of choice in Iowa. People love the corn cans that have been out for a limited time each of the last couple of years, help raise some money for farmers. For those you know who watch the You Betcha Guys videos, he calls Bush Light Bush Latte, refers to it as the nectar of the gods. I hear people or see people on social media, uh, tailgates and things like that, they call them Blue Runners, Blue Yummies, Bushwhackers, Blue Bombers. A case of Bush Lights called a, a 30 rack since they come in, in packs of 30 instead of a 24. Some people call it a bushel. So you know, for sure they should serve Bush Light. You know, after that, probably Budweiser, Miller Light, just to kind of cover the bases. It would be nice to see some local breweries get in on the action and have the university help support some local businesses. I can't think of drinking wine in a football game, so I have no idea there. The only wine I remember 
at Kinnick Stadium was from ah just a long time ago. The days, you know, when you could leave at halftime. That's that's been twenty years ago almost now. When you could leave at halftime and, and you know, walk with your buddies over to the Melrose Market and get a six pack of Tall Boys to share, and then somebody would buy a bottle of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. And that would get passed around in the stadium. I can't even imagine drinking that stuff today. Uh, but I'm sure they'll have a couple of pretty generic whites and reds that will allow them to make a pretty good margin on their wine sales in the stadium. Overall, this is a, a good move by the university. If people really want to drink, they'll find ways to bring it into the stadium. I'm sure they see the little bottles laying around. And it could curtail some binge drinking behavior for some fans who now know that they can purchase a beer during the game if they want to continue imbibing. Other schools seem to have had success with this, so why not give it a try? Alcohol sales are pretty normal at other sporting events, concerts, etc. So it really doesn't seem like a big deal in this day and age. And how many times now do we see a professional football player at a sporting event and when he sees that he's on the big screen, he chugs a beer? Some now are, are so used to, to this happening at these events, they have a second one under their chair. They get a second chug in while they're on camera. And I think this would have been really looked down upon 10 to 20 years ago. So... I think times are changing, and uh, I think the University of Iowa is doing what they should do in this new environment. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest, that Iowa is doing this now and not one of the last to join the movement. So I think it's good for them to be somewhat progressive here. Well, that was a lot of fun. I had fun talking about, about these topics. Special teams um, you know, are really uh, an important part of the football game, and LeVar Woods has done such a great job. Uh, interesting new policy with beer and wine. So at sporting events at the University of Iowa. Happy July 4th to everyone. And we'll be talking again soon. Go Hawks!